Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to CEO Class. My name is Nicholas, and I'm the program lead for the Singapore chapter. And I'm so excited to see everyone here tonight on our webinar, and I hope that we can have a fruitful and educational session together. So our guest speaker for tonight is Mr. Wayne Wee, the co-founder as well as the head of strategy and business development of Breathonics. Wayne, thank you for joining us tonight, and I'm really looking forward to learn from you. Yeah, thanks, Nicholas. Hi, everyone. Um, happy to be on this uh, CEO uh, class, and I hope that I'm able to inspire some of you and hopefully answer some of the questions as well. Right, thank you, Wayne. And for our participants who are here with us tonight, if you have any questions, you can type it into the Q&A column. And our question IC Jia Chang will be sorting through them. And in the meantime, our CEO class team has also prepared questions to direct the flow of this webinar. And we will be blending your questions with ours throughout the session. So don't worry if your question wasn't immediately answered because we will try to fit them into our flow as well. So, and on, on the flow, the flow for tonight's webinar will be an introduction of Wayne's journey at Breathonics, followed by his personal goals and passions that shaped him to be the person that he is today. So without further ado, let's begin. And Wayne, my first question is, uh, would you like to introduce yourself and tell us about your journey to our listeners? Sure. Hi, hi everyone. So my name is Wayne. Um, so for myself, before I even started on my journey at Breathtonics, I think uh, my whole entrepreneurship interest actually started way back um, as young as around maybe 14, 15 years old. So my first exposure to uh, entrepreneurship itself was actually when I was in uh, my secondary school. Uh, I was in uh, St. Joseph uh, Institute. So uh, during my time there, they had like a special program uh, where uh, we, were, we were actually able to, to go over to uh, Harvard, uh, where I actually uh, was selected to take part of, of this uh, program called the uh, Harvard Art Science Program. Uh, so that's actually my first exposure to entrepreneurship. and. I was able to you know, take an idea, uh, pitch it to uh, a panel of judges over there and also be able to hear uh, some feedback from uh, some Harvard professors as well as some uh, college students as well. Uh, and, and so that was really um, me kind of stepping out of my comfort zone uh, for the very first time uh, to experience, you know, what is it like to be pitching in front of a group of uh, uh, judges uh, and, and peers and, and then be able to uh, try to turn you know, a product uh, into reality. Uh, and unfortunately, at, at the time, uh, because of the limited resource and also because uh, of O levels, uh, you know, I wasn't really able to uh, pursue uh, that path. Uh, so then, you know, I still try to explore my interest in entrepreneurship. You know, explore many other uh, business opportunities as well along the way. Uh, and I think uh, uh, I would say that you know, this opportunity uh, in Bechtonics uh, came out as something that uh, I didn't quite expect, um, but. You know, from all my many years, I would say of, of learning and, and getting exposure, uh, I'm finally able to actually put it all uh, into uh, finally into uh, like practical use uh, here in Breathtonics. Um, so, yeah, how I even got into Breathtonics is actually because um, I went through the uh, NUS uh, uh, NOC program. Uh, basically, through, uh, through this program, I was able to uh, go over to. Uh, Silicon Valley, uh, where I actually worked in a startup for uh, around one year. At the same time, I was taking up uh, some uh, entrepreneurship classes uh, in, in Stanford. And after this uh, program, once I graduate, uh, I was part of this uh, NOC alumni group. 
and um, they work you know uh, constantly companies who are looking for co-founders or looking for uh, people who are willing uh, to join various uh, startups and actually that's how I came upon uh, Bathonics uh, which just uh, basically just spin off uh, from from NUS and they were looking uh, for like a co-founder to, to join them uh, in the business side of things uh, and, and so that's how I basically joined uh, Bathonics as the head of business and um, business uh, sorry head of strategy and uh, business development yeah so that's basically a quick summary of my background Wow, you really started your entrepreneurship at a young age and, and you stuck to it throughout your educational journey. And I'm, I'm just so impressed that you have taken this passion and applied the skills that you have learned to the next level at Prathonics. So my follow-up question from this is, what are your roles and responsibilities as the co-founder in Prathonics and as the head of strategy and business development? Yeah. So I would say, you know, as a co-founder means you actually pretty much do everything. <laughs> so yeah, before you even, you know, bring in people and expertise, I think, you know, because you don't really have many resources, don't have much uh, manpower, so you kind of try to, uh, uh, I guess, do whatever you need to do uh, to, to push it forward. Um, so I, in a, you know, early, early days, uh, I'm also helping out with the R&D, uh, you know, doing all the experiment, product development, and then at the same time, you know, Pitching uh, our our uh, our idea and concept to investors and trying to raise funds as well, and also you know uh, talking to pot- potential clients and everything. So you can imagine it's really the full full spectrum of things. Uh, and of course, you know, in a couple of uh, months, uh, I was able to you know bring in uh, I'll say expertise to to uh, fill up the gap that we we are not able to to do ourselves, and, and that's where the team is. Um, becoming uh, more and more uh, efficient and also uh, we are able to uh, overcome certain uh, um, obstacles that you know on our own capability we may not have the um, experience or the expertise ourselves to, to do uh, so I would say that's kind of you know how we manage yeah hmm. thank you so much and it sounds like you're really doing everything in breathonics and yeah bringing in manpower R&D product development even pitching ideas wow that is that is a lot of things and very respect so let's move on to questions about how Breathonics came about so what was your organization's vision when when the organization first came about and any stories on how the team was formed so Breathonics uh, actually is it's a spin-off uh, from the National University of Singapore. Um, so previously, uh, the the technology itself was actually being uh, researched by our CEO, Dr. Jia Zunan, in a PhD uh, 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 thesis, uh, which is to do with uh, breath analysis for lung cancer. So basically, after she graduated, uh, she entered uh, into NO, uh, basically the NUS uh, GRIP program, which is a special program for, for graduates to turn their Kind of turn their idea and their research into something that they could uh, commercialize, uh, and, and that's uh, that's basically how uh, um, kind of the background story of, of Breathonics and how it uh, became a spin-off uh, uh, from NUS. And then from 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 there, uh, because of because of the whole COVID situation, we were not quite able to to continue our research in in lung cancer because basically all the clinical trial was being uh, suspended and all the resources was being diverted towards uh, COVID. So that's where we kind of repurpose uh, the technology towards uh, COVID. 
and within one year we were able to do the clinical trial and set up uh, all the system required and basically we are right now we are starting to do some pilot deployment to roll out our system oh i see and it seems that covid has really changed how your organization had to uh, had to focus on instead of the lung cancer so besides like focusing refocusing your direction on covid how did breathonics build a strong foundation to thrive and grow during its early days which is last year if i'm not wrong yeah i will see you know if you are able to build yourself around certain uh, ecosystem or certain community uh, i think definitely that that would be uh, really good uh, so I mean, for us, we were fortunate to have some kind of university ecosystem. So we have some contacts here and there. And then from there, we are able to kind of uh, tap on other uh, ecosystem, other networks as well. Uh, and so that's actually, I would say that's actually one of the key uh, important things. Yeah, because um, for example, uh, you may not know how to execute certain things, uh, but if you are able to tap on certain uh, people, on certain resource, and you're able to hear from them on like how did they you know, execute it, and then you can learn it from them. Uh, and yeah, and, and that's actually how we kind of figure our way through uh, many things. Oh yeah, it sounds like the NUS system has managed to has allowed you to leverage on connections to bring in different ideas to kind of, kind of like slowly solve each problem with the help of a specialist from a different field. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. So the I mean. Yes, the NUS itself uh, provides that uh, network, the initial ecosystem, initial network. But uh, of course, you don't expect uh, within, uh, uh, all the expertise to lie just within the, the university. You have to reach out to the others. But I would say the first step, yes, they actually give us some kind of leverage, you know, uh, um, to have our first uh, level of connection. And then uh, they are able to make the next introduction and the next and the next. And so that's how you are able to tap on um, more, you know, more expert uh, domain knowledge and able to learn from there and maybe perhaps you might bring them in uh, could be a part-time or even full-time uh, mm. where they can help to build uh, your team I see, I see and it's, it sounds like the the most important point is that connections is the, the most important aspect of startups because you need connections to bring in the talents in order to help solve the problems that the organization face on a daily basis and as you mentioned at the start, you're in charge of bringing in manpower as well. And yeah, it sounds like, yeah, very impressed on how you have managed to uh, use your position to bring in the resources, the manpower to help help Breathonics reach the place that it has today. But on that note, there are definitely some challenges that you have encountered when implementing your ideas or technologies. Could you tell me about some of them and how you overcome them? Yeah, so I think sticking to the point of even just hiring itself, I think because of you know being in a startup, you don't really have a lot of uh, cash. So you can't really you know, hire someone who is super experienced uh, because of course they, they, they expect a much higher kind of salary. Uh, so I guess, you know, the, more of the first challenge is that how do you find somebody who is uh, um, experienced enough uh, but at the same time you you know you don't have to kind of uh, burn a hole uh, in your wallet to hire the person right and yeah. and you kind of have to find the correct type of people to build the culture because if you kind of hire the wrong kind of people at the start the whole i'll say the whole culture of the of the startup or the company will not be good so i'll see you know the first few hires is quite important you want to really look for people who uh, will take ownership of the project. So they are not too driven, I would say, not too driven by 
just you know the, the compensation of the money uh, but they you know they really would take ownership of that project and will help you to push it forward um, because even like for us when we hire interns right because we got so many things to do it's not like a typical I don't know, company where they hire interns and they know exactly what they want the intern to do I would say that you know even interns when they join uh, we will expect them to kind of take out some level of ownership because uh, many of us don't have that time uh, to kind of micromanage you I would say uh, because we just kind of assign you a task and, and kind of expect you to be able to execute it uh, just because we are kind of uh, limited in our own uh, time as well so I would say you know that's the tricky part of hiring the right people and I guess you know if you hire the wrong kind of people then you would need to you know quickly I would say quickly drop them uh, or, or find a way to mot- kind of motivate them differently perhaps Mm, I see and I understand like when I do projects in school so finding the right teammates is one of if not if you cannot find the right teammates that's like half the project gone and I understand that I can understand that manpower is one of the most important aspects of a startup especially since a startup is pretty small so everyone's ideas and inputs is has like a more magnified impact compared to a larger company so, moving on, I'm sure that it was it was very difficult to navigate leading the startup. Do you have any mentors or benefactors that guided you through your journey? Mm, yes, uh, actually we have quite quite a few. Uh, I would say like every single, almost every single like, mm, what do you call it, like department <laughs> or, or like different domain, you, you, we have like a different advisor that we bring in or we try to consult. So, you know, things like uh, on the regulatory, uh, we have we try to bring in some kind of consultant to help us before we actually manage to hire someone. Uh, and then uh, things like the business strategy or even doing like budgeting, forecasting. We try to bring in somebody with uh, some um, on more like a contract basis, uh, like someone of like a, C- a CFO uh, a level so that we can actually consult them on, on how do they uh, set up such a projection or budgeting uh, and similarly uh, similarly for, for the other uh, domains as well in the company so we, we kind of have to really tap on the different uh, expertise uh, but, uh, you, you may not have the budget you know to hire them uh, full-time but at least you kind of bring them in uh, on a kind of a contract basis or maybe you could also bring them in as like maybe a, a advisor so you do offer some kind of a uh, small percentage of like a advisory share so they kind of stick around and try to help you along the way so yeah i would say it's also not too easy to find this kind of uh, people who are willing to to help you uh, because i mean these people who are really good you know they don't really have a lot of time on their hand also so i would say it's pretty tricky to find but if you can find them then you should really try to treasure them mm, i yeah. see so looking back were there any decisions you felt that were instrumental to the success of Breathonics? Mm, instrumental, I would say there's not one, but probably many, many along the way. Uh, I would say, you know, you, you can imagine, uh, uh, um, I would say you can imagine a startup to be like a, like an iceberg, right? Most people only see the top 10% that is above the water and you see like, oh, it's okay, like it's pretty uh, easy uh, or whether it looks very nice, you know, most of us don't really see the 90% or, uh, which is below 
which is actually the one that is supporting uh, the 10% uh, and, and I would say this 90% is really more like the, the ops or like the everyday thing that you have to do to build the entire uh, uh, company. So I would say there is no just one main decision but there's many many things, uh, everyday decisions they are doing that helps to build up this uh, 90%. Uh, I see. So it's not about what one big decision was. It was all the collective and the accumulated decisions that you make on a daily basis that enable you to f- enable the organization to succeed. Yes. I see. Thank you. So there was this question in our previous webinar, and I felt like I, I should ask this question because it was very interesting. So the question is, how did you get your first users? And what strategies did you use in testing product product market fit with your minimum viable product? So I think for us it's a bit different, right? Because it's a medical device, so you can't really push out like a I, I don't know like a prototype out there. Uh, and and for us, you know, you can't really have uh, have a first user if you don't have haven't had the approval. So for medical device, it's really very different. Uh, I, I guess for you're talking about software or like consumer product, it's much easier. You can kind of push out uh, like an MVP rather early and you do not need like a finished product. Uh, medical device, we do need it to be at least a certain level uh, of satisfaction uh, to hit. So I guess for that, uh, it's not as agile, I would say, because you do need to have uh, a plan already, like exactly what is this supposed to do? You know, you can't create something and then adapt and change it along the way. Uh, you could do like minor tweaks to make it better more efficient but you can't quite change the the main foundation of it uh, because it is a medical device so i, I guess it's a little bit of the challenge of, of doing medical devices um so how we get the first few customer uh, i would say it's only uh, because of covid i think we are pretty fortunate in the sense that many people you know they were looking for for a faster and better uh, way of testing so I would say, you know, even before we get the approval, there were many people, like hundreds of people who were emailing us already. So uh, I guess we were fortunate in that sense. Um, but uh, I think for other uh, products, uh, it may not be so easy, you know, to, to, to get this kind of uh, interest or uh, leads. I see. And yeah, thank you so much for the answers. And yeah, I agree that for a medical device company, having a MVP is a, a lot different from an, maybe another ad tech, maybe a ad tech startup where they can keep changing or maybe change the entire product after one session. Mm. Yeah, so I understand that for the med tech industry, changing an MVP is close to impossible and only minor tweaks are allowed. So I'm looking at the chat now and we have a question for you um, can our question I see flash Mr. Shan Hong Sim's question on stage. Okay, so the question is from Mr. Shan Hong Sim. How do you manage to attract advisors? What is it in? What is in it for them? Do they need to be compensated monetary for their service, or is it out of goodwill? So I think it really depends. Uh, I think if. If you are able to get them as like maybe through your own personal network, like a friend, uh, then perhaps they may they really just do it out of goodwill. But most of the time, most people I would say uh, they do expect some kind of uh, uh, monetary 
uh, compensation. Uh, if it's not by monetary, then it's in the form of uh, equity because they do know that you know as a startup, you may not have the cash to pay them. Uh, but then they would kind of expect, I would say, some form of equity. Uh, so there are kind of estimates for those as well. Um, it really depends on which stage you are. So obviously, if you are a much earlier stage, you might give up a slightly higher uh, percentage to get uh, them in as your advisor. Uh, and if you are much later stage, then obviously that percentage should be much, much uh, smaller. So it really depends at the time, maybe on your uh, uh, kind of your valuation at the time. Uh, I would say that if you are bringing in like an expert domain to come and, and as a consultation, you are looking at like perhaps up to even three hundred dollars uh, an hour. I would say actually that is probably the market rate right now. Uh, if you are bringing in an expert domain to come and as a consultation for you. Yeah. Okay. Thank you very much, and I hope that that answered your question, Mr. Shan Hong Sim. So our market has answered, and we have another question from Jia Chang as well. So other than NUS resources, are there any important resources or platforms that Breathonics or any other startups can leverage on to further drive their company to success? Mm. So I think like, for example, through the uh, NUS itself, actually, I would say that there is several uh, uh, initiatives within NUS itself. So, so I did mention about NOC. Uh, in NUS, there's also this thing called Jumpstart. So Jumpstart, is specifically for uh, uh, MacTech and, and, and Jumpstart is not only uh, NUS but actually a, a few universities coming together uh, uh, to start this initiative so you could look out for, for things like uh, Jumpstart as well um, and if you manage to get into perhaps some kind of uh, accelerator so that could also help you so for example Breptonics we are actually uh, also in the uh, Antler uh, network so we are also able to tap uh, on them uh, in terms of uh, marketing and also be able to talk to uh, perhaps some expert, uh, uh, domain expert uh, and they are able to kind of refer us to some of these uh, connections as well. Um, so I think it really depends on what kind of opportunity you have at that point. Uh, but perhaps if you don't have all this, maybe your first uh, um, place that you could go to is maybe even LinkedIn. You could probably just reach out to someone uh, that you feel that may may have you know the expertise that you are looking for, and just you know have a coffee coffee chat uh, with them, and you'll be surprised of uh, by how many people are actually willing to just give up maybe like one hour of their time to perhaps give you some kind of advice to point you in the right direction. Yeah, and and recently actually there's also this uh, startup called uh, ADP List. So uh, this is actually a Singaporean startup that just uh, uh, um, started. Uh, and, and you are actually able to look out for uh, a few uh, kind of mentors in a, a few kind of domains uh, and and these mentors basically are, are already ready and, and they are putting out them, uh, themselves out uh, for, for basically anyone or mentees who are, who, who are looking for um, some tips and advice so you could try out those kind of platform as well to look out uh, for I guess expert domains or certain resources Thank you so much, and I hope that answered your question, Jia Chang. Okay, let me just mark it as answered. Okay, so speaking of startups, I recently found out that uh, Breathonics collaborated with a fellow Singapore startup called Accredify to supply on-site COVID-19 rapid breath test system. Uh, so Accredify is a platform that issues 
that can that helps Breathonics issue the digital verifiable test results in one minute. Can you tell us what this collaboration means for Singaporeans and international travelers? Yeah, so I think because uh, Equitify's uh, specialty is helping to create uh, digitally uh, certified uh, uh, certificates. So uh, because of this, we actually brought them in because we wanted like a third party to kind of authenticate all these uh, tests. And it also kind of help us uh, scale up faster uh, when we are rolling out in a different uh, location or even working with different uh, healthcare providers to do the test. Because you can imagine, you know, when we want to deploy, at, uh, isn't even just within Singapore, if you're working with different healthcare provider, they may have their own uh, like registration system uh, to onboard the, the test subject uh, to do the test. So for us, um, partially because we only have like a small team, we may not be able to uh, take in all the different uh, uh, configuration uh, to fit into the different workflow. Uh, of various healthcare provider and, and so that's why we kind of wanted to bring in uh, a credit file so that they could be the ones to help us to do all this integration uh, for various healthcare provider within Singapore and also uh, overseas as well. So that's kind of our, our thinking behind uh, engaging them. I see. Thank you so much. And I have a follow-up question with that. So does Breathonics have plans to expand the business overseas and how have your current users, organizations, and government entities responded to your products? So, yeah, that's actually a, a big question. So, yep. I would say so far we have done a, a few pilot deployments. I think it's uh, done pretty well. Uh, we are able to uh, achieve what we promised, which is able to do uh, each test uh, within less than a minute. Uh, the accuracy itself is also uh, pretty uh, promising. Uh, and so, we are working to do more uh, kind of pilot deployments. Uh, in, in Singapore and also uh, overseas. So I, I think like some of the markets that we are trying to go into is also uh, your neighboring countries such as uh, Malaysia. Uh, and also we are also looking into uh, in expanding uh, beyond this region, which is to go into uh, uh, around the UAE uh, market. And, and that's because we actually did our clinical uh, trial over there. So we, feel, we believe that it's much easier to also uh, get the approval process there and get it recognized over there. So we hope to be able to also deploy uh, some of our tests uh, over there in the overseas market as well. Yeah, but I, was, I, was, uh, but I would say that, you know, we are, we are trying to uh, see how we can prioritize some of the uh, resource uh, first um, in Singapore, uh, because we are also trying to uh, prioritize, uh, uh, you know, to be able to do the testing here in Singapore first, you know, before we uh, do it overseas. Um, but we are, at the same time, we are trying to find a balance uh, because we, as a startup, we also have a limited resource in the sense that uh, whoever, uh, I'll put it in this way, like whoever is able to pay first will kind of get the system. Uh, but at the same time, we also want to kind of help Singapore first. So so that's like a kind of a dilemma that we are also in. Okay, thank you so much. And yeah, it's actually, can tell that it's not, it's not an easy task to expand business overseas, but I believe that Breathonics can do it and I'm really hoping that breath test will be the new norm because personally I just don't like the the current way of you know get having a stick shoved up your nose just to get a sample yeah it's not very uncomfortable and I'm really hoping that the breath test system can be implemented as soon as possible <laughs> yeah so we have a few questions in the chat so I'll bring them up now so this question is from 
Malthus. Thanks for doing this, Wayne. Having worked and ran a few businesses for a few years, what will you now advise your university self to prioritize in university besides NOC? Hmm. I, I, I mean, I would say that actually, NOC is probably the most useful thing of my four years. <laughs> uh, but what else would I prioritize? Mm, I, I would say that I would really advise people who are still you know, in uni or perhaps even before uni to, to take up more uh, internships or, or like really just try out more things uh, because I would say that you know, in uni, is a lot. Some of us, you know, we just kind of focus on our grades. But I think it's a little bit, is equally or perhaps more important to kind of find out what we really want to do or what we really want to explore. Uh, so I, I will really kind of take my, spend more time. Or actually, I I feel that I have spent sufficient time uh, in my uni in terms of exploring what I really wanted to do. So yeah, I would really advise you know people to to spend more time in, in that area rather than you know being too focused on yeah the exams itself yeah all right thank you so much and i hope you answer your question Malthus. and i agree that university is the best time for anyone and everyone to find out what they really want to do afterwards and for the budding entrepreneurs noc is as mentioned by wayne the best if not the best yeah, uh, I, I just want to add so like Actually, uh, before I started uni, I was actually offered uh, like a double degree uh, in uh, economics and, and mechanical engineering. Uh, but then I actually dropped the econs part because I knew that you know if I were to take up a, a, a double uh, double degree, it would definitely take up a lot of my time and was I would not be able to do a lot of things. And, and so before I even started uni, I decided, okay, you know what, I want to uh, have some time, you know, to explore different things and try out different things. And so that's why I actually dropped my uh, degree uh, and uh, I mean my econs degree um, and also you know I took up extra classes uh, in, in in NUS as well I mean you're paying the same uh, course fee so might as well just make full use of it and take up more classes so I, I actually graduated close to 200 MC so normally you only like 160 you know 160 yeah yeah so I graduated with close to 200 uh, so that's because I just took up random courses that I wanted to explore yeah so uh, so I would say yeah you know don't just limit yourself to whatever that you're even studying or whatever you, you are ma- uh, majoring in like really just uh, explore and just take advantage of the resources that you have yeah alright thank you Wayne and I really and I also agree that university time to explore take every single opportunity you can and grab every single opportunity you can so in your previous, in your answer just now, you also mentioned that internships is one way that we can expand our experiences. And Mr. Sachan Hong Sim has a question about internships. I'll flash it out on the screen now. So his question is, if someone is not part of an undergraduate program like NOC or Jumpstart, would it still be advisable to take an LOA, a leave of absence, to intern at a startup overseas such as Silicon Valley? I would say it depends what you really want to do. Actually, what I realized is that a lot of people who took the NOC program to go to Silicon Valley, they actually just wanted a software engineering job uh, in Silicon Valley because it paid a lot. So, I mean, if that is your objective, then yeah, you can take the LOA. Uh, but then, if your objective is really to explore startups, then I would say you actually don't need to go overseas, actually, because there is a lot of startup opportunities, even here in Singapore. 
So if you really wanted to learn, you, you don't really have to travel overseas itself. Alright, thank you and I hope that answered your question, Mr. Shan Hong. Um, okay. So let's move on with the program. So our goal at CEO class is to promote youth development in pursuing personal goals and growth. And I would like to ask some questions about how you transform your motivations and passions into the person that you are today. And my first question for this segment would be, why do you choose to be an entrepreneur in a startup? And how do you decide on it over a full-time job in a bigger organization? Yeah, so it's a valid question. I think there's a, a dilemma that I will personally face as well because basically uh, after I graduated, I was uh, I was given two options. So one was to join Breptonics as a co-founder uh, and the other one was basically I was actually offered to, to join you know a, a company as a product uh, manager at, at a pretty decent uh, pay as well. Uh, and so I was kind of stuck at, at that dilemma because if I were to join Breptonics, my starting pay would be much lower. Uh, but of course, I knew that there was opportunity to grow there. Uh, so, you know, the question that I asked myself was really, uh, which one will I regret not trying? <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, when I, was, when I asked myself that question, I think the answer became really clear. Uh, and because basically, you know, if, if I didn't try to, to be an entrepreneur and to, to, you know, go through this journey, uh, you know, a few years down the road, I'll be like, you know, you know what if I took up the... That, that, that role or that, that opportunity uh, um, you know I, I will have a, a lot of this kind of uh, regrets uh, so I felt that you know for me it was quite an obvious uh, decision uh, to take I see thank you so much and it's very inspirational that you decided to prioritize passion over money and yeah hope that hope that will continue to stay that way and be an inspiration for the next generation of entrepreneurs Thank you, Wayne. So we have a question from um, Tiesa from the chat. So her question is, what is your advice to us students, young people in general, in starting their own business? What are the mistakes they should avoid? And what risks are really worth taking? Hmm. I think this is a quite a broad question in the sense that uh, it really depends what business you are starting. Because there are some businesses that you can start with really minimum uh, um, kind of capital uh, yeah me if it's just you know something like uh, um, your whole I think now you know Shopify and your whole job shipping you know it's a pretty I would say I wouldn't say it's a big thing but it's probably something that you hear on YouTube all the time I mean if you really want to kind of try that uh, you probably don't need a lot of capital uh, to kind of try that um, and, and although I would say that you know that's uh, based on those friends that I know that have tried, they have not been very successful. Uh, but it is something that you could definitely try. I mean, in, in itself, even if you fail, you, I think there's many, many lessons that you can uh, learn uh, from the process. And I think if you are still a student, yeah, I mean, don't, don't worry too much about failure. Of course, you try not to spend too much, <laughs> uh, but um, you should take it as, I guess if you lose some money, I think you just kind of take it as a tuition fee. <laughs> For, for what you're doing. Uh, if there's any mistake that you, they should avoid, uh, I think it's also quite tough a question to answer because I don't really quite know uh, what business you are in. Uh, but definitely, I think you can probably talk to people in, in the particular industry uh, and 
learn from those uh, people so that you don't make the same uh, mistake as them. Yeah, uh, I guess that that would be my advice. All right, thank you. And to maybe make the the question easier, like I have a question that's also kind of similar. So my question is: as an entrepreneur, what kind of skills are crucial to develop? So what kind of advice would you offer for budding entrepreneurs who want to establish a startup? Mm, I would say definitely you need to be willing to talk to more people. So I think number one is to be able to put yourself out there to gain some uh, customer feedback. I think one of the common mistakes is that people build things that perhaps uh, there isn't really a need for. So like you kind of waste a lot of your effort building something, but in the end, there's no real use case for it. So I think uh, instead of really spending too much effort to build something, uh, you should really spend more time into understanding uh, if if there is really a, a real need uh, for this particular product, and only after that, then you start to uh, try to build something, uh, and even then, you can kind of build like a what you call an MVP. So you don't really need to spend a lot of money. You can just kind of build a, a simple prototype uh, and perhaps get some uh, reviews from it first uh, before uh, turning it something into a bit like a bigger project. And I would say the second thing is uh, other than getting validation is also on the working in the right partners so i think one thing for us that we learn is if you manage to find uh, uh, good partners actually it does really help you to uh, get better reach and recognition and tell you open uh, uh, certain doors uh, that you you know you really didn't expect it uh, uh, to be there uh, so if you're able to tap on such thing i think that is probably your your key i see so I hope that I what I took away from was uh, from Miss Tiesa and my question was um, starting small, finding right p- partners, and being open to talking to new people, as well as learning from your mistakes, would be the advice that you want to give us students, especially for those that want to start their own business. And I guess for this for the question that Miss Tiesa posed, it also depends on your risk appetite. So if you don't really have a big risk appetite maybe start smaller start with an MVP that's, that doesn't require the sorry that can be changed as you move along and maybe one day you will find that one business idea that can help your business grow so yeah thanks for the question so my next question is um, are there any resources such as blogs or books that you use to keep yourself on top of your game mm, I'll say not any in particular uh but I'll, for, for myself, I kind of surround myself with various uh, resources. So, you know, it could be things on, even simple things like on, on YouTube, right? Uh, like what kind of, I guess what kind of videos you watch and what kind of uh, uh, channels you subscribe to. I think, I mean, we spend a lot of time watching <laughs> all, all these videos and everything, right? So why not uh, kind of spend more time uh, into uh, kind of listening to something perhaps more educational? or something more insightful so i kind of uh, surround myself uh, with, with such uh, videos so i'll say that is probably something that you could start you know right now and i feel if you are constantly listening to uh, you know this uh, videos on you know business ideas uh, or you know or, or perhaps about on startups uh, of how they are able to uh, gain traction of their successors then i guess you also kind of get a little bit of the what I call like a startup bug, 
mm. and then it, it, it kind of uh, grows on you and then you also get inspired to also want to try something of your own uh, and I think also sometimes those can give you motivation when you feel like okay wow well, it's so tiring you want to give up and then when you hear someone else's story you, you know you get uh, inspired again and I feel uh, it's a certain it's, it's like what I guess like what you are feeding yourself right what come uh, it could be in the form of video you can kind of books uh, for myself I'm more of a, a visual uh, and audio learner and that's why I actually turn more towards the, the kind of videos rather than uh, books in particular mm, I see so I would assume that your YouTube channel your YouTube account is filled with startup startup channels and the algorithm is geared towards startup entrepreneurship and business and I agree I also love YouTube and I agree that it's a great medium for people to learn about things that they're interested in and with all the insane algorithms that we have today just just by from one click of one startup video you start to see 10 more and hundreds more yeah and recently you also recommended me uh the telegram channel called startup king and i've been following it quite recent uh quite frequently and startup king i also recommend for those people interested it's a telegram channel group um we can send you the link afterwards if you're interested but yeah you can keep a lookout for that as well yeah so yeah a little bit more on the startup kenshi is a it's a channel that a friend and i uh kickstarted so basically uh, the telegram channel just aggregates all the startup uh, news uh that's happening in, in in within uh singapore uh and so i think i mean that in itself is something very interesting for me to you know read uh perhaps even like a kind of a, a bedtime uh a story right? Right. just kind of read through a little bit uh and it's quite uh kind of exciting for me to read as well Mm, I see. And for our listeners who are interested, you can also subscribe to the Telegram channel. Uh, they update very regularly and there's a lot of things to look out for. So yeah, moving on to our next question. It's about conflicts. So conflicts are bound to happen when working in a team no matter what. So how do you overcome and resolve the conflicts that you have had with your team or business partners? I would say that uh, within the team itself, I think we are very fortunate uh, not to have any conflict uh, within the team itself uh, but of course I think there were uh, some kind of conflict uh, more towards with uh, external uh, party itself so maybe I can give one one example so we, we did have like a kind of a potential uh, uh, distributor who wanted to work with us uh, but at the same time we felt that he was uh, kind of overstepping his, his boundary you know in terms of asking a lot of uh, questions that is more internal uh, and we felt that you know he was overstepping his boundary um, so I mean one one very clear way to to end uh, uh, the dispute is I guess you know is to end that particular uh, relationship or, or, or that conversation because you know that uh, at some point it may not be good uh, to continue so I guess uh, you know in sometimes even uh, a way out of a, of a Kind of a conflict is perhaps to even possibly to cut certain ties. I, I think that is a pos- uh, an option uh, that you can consider as well. So I think a lot of people um, take it that you know if there's a if a conflict you need to resolve it and you need to find a win win. Uh, but that's not always the case. I think if you kind of evaluate the pros and cons and you realize that yeah maybe perhaps it's a it's a better thing to to go. Uh, to kind of split ways and go your own way, I think that is also uh, 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 an option to to consider. 
Um, but as I said, I think within the company itself, I think we are fortunate to 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 uh, not have any conflict so far. Uh, so I don't really have a any interesting story to share at this point. No, that's okay. Your example of the distributor was good enough, and yeah. And as a co-founder, I I'm glad that you made the right decision to end the contract so that what that distributor was trying to do might have had bad consequences on your company as well. So. Yeah, I agree that sometimes it's best to cut the deal before it gets worse. Yeah. So my next question is, there are times when the going gets tough. So how do you find and maintain your passion over the long run? I would say that, you know, if you can uh, surround yourself with uh, supportive people, uh, that will definitely help you. Uh, so I would say that it's, you probably need to surround yourself with, with both, you know, the the kind of the naysayers uh, at the same time people who who, who really uh, just encourage you so I mean those people could be uh, your family uh, it could be your friends or just perhaps even your fe- uh, fellow colleagues uh, and, and I guess this also kind of link back to why I think building the team culture is very important uh, because if you are able to uh, encourage one another I think that will help you to go uh, a long way as well so yeah I think uh, long story short is really to surround yourself uh, with a, a good community mm. and I, I agree that your community involves both critics and supporters and both of them play an e- equally important role in yeah. motivating and pushing you to achieve greater heights Yeah, thank you so much for the answer so what kind of sacrifices do you have to make to get to where you are today and do you have any regrets on your entrepreneurship journey Mm, I would say not really. <laughs> uh, I think a lot of people kind of think that you know if you join a startup, there is a lot of risk. But I would say on a personal level, your risk is can be quite minimal um, if you kind of consider the risk reward ratio. Um, yeah. So as I mentioned earlier, obviously I, I was kind of offered a much higher pay uh, in a another company, uh, but then. Um, yeah, kind of the opportunity cost there would be, I guess, being paid less. Uh, but what you're kind of hoping is that you know your your I guess your equity in in the company that you join, a startup that you join, uh, either as a co-founder or could be as an early employee. Uh, you hope that you know that uh, in itself will help to compensate in the long run. So you can imagine it as a way of being able to invest in a in a startup before even IPO. <laughs> uh, yeah, but at the same time, I think the kind of um, knowledge and and, and uh, the experience you gain, I think that is even more invaluable. I think even if you lose, you know, let's say, uh, touch wood, you know, if, if Pepsonics didn't do so well and everything, I think really the the experience you gain uh, is is and the network is, is really uh, invaluable. Uh, there's really no way to even value uh, the experience uh, itself. I see, thank you so much. And I agree that experience is invaluable no matter what result you get. So any bad experience is, sorry, any bad result is still good experience. Yeah. And yeah. Following up from that question, could you share some tips on how students and youths can better prepare themselves for the future? Yeah, I think, so I think this is quite similar to something that I shared earlier, which I feel that uh, exposing yourself uh, to you know as many uh, fields as possible is, is probably something that you 
uh, is ideal, uh, especially if you are still in university. I mean, probably even younger. You know, if you feel uh, that you want to explore, then uh, it'd be great. Um, yeah, and I think after you have gained that that exposure, then you can kind of have a better idea on really what you want to pursue. Uh, and I think it's quite worrying uh, to see that uh, even some of my peers that you know after they graduate of university they don't really know what they want to do and they get really lost in life uh, I mean there's nothing wrong to you know be lost right and, and uh, but I would say that especially because a lot of them kind of just go through university and, and uh, going through the flow and like kind of being a zombie uh, yeah and, and so I guess that's something that you want to try to avoid you know, try to really spend more time being more intentional uh, in trying out different things. Like, you know, uh, as, as I said earlier, it could be things that is not even related to your major. Uh, you know, something completely different. I have heard, heard of many people who actually, uh, after their one, the first year or second year, they completely changed their course uh, because they realized uh, that's not something they want to do and they want to do something else. And I think if you are able to do, you know, even to make such a decision, that is something very very bold and maybe you, you need to extend one year or even two years uh, but i think your future self will really thank you for that yeah. all right thank you so much and i agree that maybe not just for university students maybe for those of our listeners who have graduated and want to make make career changes just try just try whatever you can because at the end of the day if you manage to find the thing that you're really passionate about your future self like Wayne said will well, thank you in the future yeah so my last question from my list is do you have any other sorry were there any mindsets particular mindsets or motivations that influence your career path mm. I would say that one uh, maybe I can recount like a story <laughs> so so I think this really is really about uh, back all the way back you know in, in my primary school uh, where you know I was actually um, in in the basketball team, uh, and, and my team was actually known to be the smallest team uh, in the whole of Singapore. <laughs> so we are known to be like the chili party, right? The small thing, but why well, it's a huge impact, right? Uh, and for us, I think at that time, my our coach is really. I think the the, the motivation that he gave us was really uh, to to leave everything at the court, um, and, and to leave the court with no. Uh, regrets. I think that 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 message or that statement kind of uh, stuck with me across many years, right? Uh, and yeah, I feel that that has translated into perhaps who I am also, uh, because basically whatever opportunity is, is given to me, I really want to make the full use of it. Uh, and and at the end of the day, uh, it's not really about the results, but read, uh, but for me, it's more of like, okay, have I done my best you know have, have I fully utilized all the uh, resource that I'm given and, and make full use of all the cards that is dealt in my hand because I think everyone is dealt a different uh, 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 set of cards right and it's about how can you really utilize this uh, in the most optimal way possible so I would say yeah you know you don't be too caught up to try to compare yourself with someone else but rather see what do you have what are the options you have and try to make a full use of it and end of the day you should be just ask yourself do you have any regrets uh, 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 in terms of how you have you know uh, optimized uh, these cuts that you have uh, dealt with thank you so much Wayne for the inspirational quote 
Regrets is something that I believe that everyone will have at the point at, at any point in their lives. And I agree that living with no regrets is some it's a mindset that everyone, even myself, will have to adopt in order to move forward in life. And I hope that yes inspire our fellow listeners to try things outside their comfort zone and yeah hopefully lead a life without regrets so i've reached the last question on my list and i just want to thank wayne for sharing with us your inspirational journey and i hope that our fellow participants here today have learned things that can motivate them to pursue or achieve their aspirations and goals so we still have some time left, we have around 5 minutes left and uh, I would like to ask the floor if there are any last questions before we end the session. Okay, if not, um, we'll be ending the webinar for, for today. But before you leave, um, do help us fill in the feedback form that I'll be posting up shortly. Mm. Maybe I, I just what well, I guess one one last thing is that yeah I guess if anyone here you know if you're looking for some kind of advice or or yeah looking to connect afterwards you can always um either connect me through through uh, uh Nicholas or or perhaps you can just contact me uh, uh directly on on uh LinkedIn uh and yeah happy to you know have a kind of a quick uh convo uh with you um whether as as a you know as a kind of advice or on whatever decision you are deciding right now or perhaps it's to do with your kind of your startup itself yeah so yeah I'm just open uh, to this okay so I've posted the the link for the feedback on our Q&A column if I could just direct our listeners for today to help us fill that in that would be I would really appreciate it because it will help us um, improve on our further webinars and also thank you Wayne for offering to help our listeners if they're interested because um, finding entrepreneurs at this day and age is definitely very difficult right and there's not a lot of not a lot of you guys and I hope that through this webinar you have inspired um, some people to pursue their dreams to build a startup or join a startup so yeah so once again um Thank you everyone for joining us tonight and before you leave just help us do the feedback form and we hope to see you again in our next webinar next month so take care and good night everyone bye bye thank you bye